when you uh talking to somebody. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You look for everything. People like, yeah, you yeah. know what I'm saying? If anything happened, the shit like off the field stuff you try to Most find. definitely. I was looking all night for something <laughs> on your ass. Your ass like uh, B. John Robinson. Yeah. I'd ask that like, bro, what are you not, what are you not good at? Right, like, right. Man, God damn. I appreciate that, You got man. any flaws, bro? No, that's I appreciate love, that. Bro. I appreciate yeah. that, man. It's, it's good to sit down and chop it up. Like, I don't really even like doing a whole lot of like, what the season going to look like? What the interviews? I like talking about life. I like talking about right. real, real stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Breaking bread, getting wisdom and, and sharing wisdom. That's why I love what y'all do. How's um, things been like? You can kind of see the difference since you guys have gotten our EB over here. Yeah, man. Yeah. Like he, he really brings. I know you can say he brings the championship. Perfectly, do know what he's talking about. Right, you know what right, I mean. Right, you know right, it works. Right. You know, as a player, like you want to. You know, buy sometimes into you go it. out there, you you buying into it because that's your job. But you right. go out there, man, shit ain't gonna work. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. But with him, yeah. it's like there's a method to everything. Right. Like even if you, like you said, you got to clear out on zone mm. because it's gonna. It's a, it's a, you know, a linebacker read. If he take the middle of the field on a cover two, right. and that guy that, that drag. That. A drive right. concept, that drag right. coming right underneath. So you gotta trust I think that. He, I like him too. He's aggressive. You know, mm -hmm. he thinks like a player. It's because yeah. he played. Because he played. I, I right. think that could really. I think that's just really. I'm not saying you gotta play to coach in the league, but I think it really helps. Yeah, I think it, it, it right. adds a different level of uh, that, appreciation. That trust too and appreciation. Definitely. And you know, as long as you work hard and you grind, he old school mm -hmm. now. You right. gonna, you gonna be grinding, but like you look up and you win in more games. You have. Everybody happy, you know what right, I'm saying? Right. Like, at the end of the day, that's all you really want, so. Right, that's true. The way I see it, there's no way yeah. a, you got a coach that has been a part of the top five offense the last five seasons, two Super Bowls, three appearances, co help coaching the number one player in the league in Patrick Mahomes, yeah. and he don't get no opportunity. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Where it's nothing against the guys who got opportunities from the Eagles, mm -hmm. the guy who went to Arizona yeah. and the dude yeah. went to the Colts. Right. But, you know, they had success a part of their season, their system, and they got opportunities. So it's and like that's typically what happens. You know, it's, it's if if you win the Super Bowl, or at least go, everybody on that that tree, yeah, coaching roster, they're gonna get a shot. Yeah, because teams are looking to pluck from the successful teams. Exactly. There I you go. Been through Sorry, I'm late, fellas. I had to work. Right. No, you good? You know, you know what, what I mean? Man. You just we all yeah, yeah, they we all get that three inch yeah. for the seventy eight. I'll watch your ass work. Hey, I ain't gonna lie, man. I got I got tore out the frame a couple of times in here. My last year in the bubble. I had a bad ankle, dog. I've never practiced in a bubble ever. Jacksonville didn't have one up. Nope. Y'all was always outside. Outside, yeah. if it was lightning, we had to go in the club. Um, in the club, where they tell the club seats at, okay. and practice in the kitchen. Yeah, Damn. really. <laughs> Walk through in the kitchen, baby, yeah. on the carpet. I'd have been fired up if it was lightning then. I mean, but you, you really wanted, get out of you practice. Yeah, yeah. Action though. Sometimes it was cool during training camp because it rains a lot this time of the year in Florida. Yeah. But during the season, you want no, you want to get your look. I'm the exact opposite. I don't mind. We can ask Terry it. about this. Yeah. So. I was having the conversation about training camp mm -hmm. and the reason I loved it. Yeah. Right. I love training camp because you actually compete every day. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. I'm going to have to try to stop Terry or we're going to have to try to stop B Rob. That's what made me excited. Yeah. During the season, it's really work, bro. Yeah. Them Wednesdays when you get here early in the morning, you here Thanks. all day, scout team. Mm -hmm. Are you different than that? Do mm -hmm. you like training camp or are you one of those players that don't like to, to, to be on that part of that grind? I, I think training camp, uh, is a time where it separates people. You see how, you know, I think it's easy to come in with the energy on day one. Like, we probably gonna have one of our best practices. Everybody's excited, fans out there, feeling good, new season. Everybody got their motivation from an individual standpoint, from a team standpoint. Everybody's zero and zero. 
But when the pads come on, <laughs> that next week, it's going to be 98 on Saturday. <laughs> you ain't boys with the corner no more. Yeah. Y'all, y'all ready to go at it. You know what I mean? And I think when your body starts telling you, like, dang, I'm hurting today, but I got to put this work in, I think that starts separating people. And I think as you get towards preseason, you know, you kind of ease up a little bit. But then as soon as preseason's over, you're getting ready for when it really counts. Right. So you got to have a mindset of grinding, know how to take care of your body. Yep getting your reps in, but also being ready to go win football games. Yeah. And I think camp is a good time to really build that camaraderie. You know what I mean? You with each other all day, 11-hour days. Yep. You know what I mean? You get to know the people in the building. You get to really get to know who y'all going to war with. So I love camp, though. I'm, camp, I'm looking, camp I'm looking forward to it. You, I think, you want to show people what you were doing in the offseason to get here? In the hell with camp? What are y'all talking about? I'm going to run all day, hit each other, ain't getting no money. Y'all can kiss my ass by camp. <laughs> After that rookie year, yeah. camp can kiss my ass. Hold up. Let me let take a stomach cap, pin in it. I thought they here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm feeling, get me up. On the mission, get me up. Knowing me, I got the key. On the vision, I can trust. Trust. Limitless. Take a stomach cap, pin in it. I father here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm feeling, get me up. On the mission, get me up. Knowing me, I got the key. Well, this is it, man. Welcome to the yeah. pivot, bro. We've Appreciate been trying to uh, have this sit down for a long time. Yeah. It's actually an amazing time to have it, to be a Washington commander. Yeah. You know, you said yourself, it's a great time yeah. to be a Washington commander with Josh Harris yeah. and that ownership group taking over yeah. the team from Daniel Snyder. And so this is one of those years where there's a bright light that's mm -hmm. being shined here at Commander's Park. This is Freddie T. This is my boy Chan. I'm RC, Terry McLaurin. You need no introduction Appreciate in the that. DMV, but I think your story is a story that not a ton of people know. Right. You know, they don't know that it took five years yeah. for you to become not actually the guy mm -hmm. at Ohio State, but to be a guy. Yeah. You are a third-round pick that yeah. becomes a pro bowler, a team captain, and having the opportunities to do all of those things, which puts you here at Eric yeah. Bieniemy's press conference. It puts you there with the ownership group. But I kind of want to start in a different place for you. You've shown throughout your career that you belong here. Yeah. But part of becoming a Washington commander for you was Dwayne Haskins. Yeah. And it was Dwayne Haskins before the draft saying, look, yeah. any team that drafts me, draft one of my guys. Yeah. And even imploring Washington and their executives to draft you in the third round. When you think about that relationship and yeah. what it meant to you and the importance of having Dwayne or someone like that believe in you the way yeah. he did, what does that mean to you? Um, you know, my boy Dwayne, he, uh, he, he would give you the shirt off his back. You know what I mean? I think he really taught me past football, how to be a real friend, how to hold your teammates, how to hold your friends accountable, because there's some things that him and I went through individually where we were leaning on each other. I was leaning on him. He was holding me accountable and I was holding him accountable. And I just remember him coming to Ohio State. And I was a little older at that time. So, you know, you're kind of a leader. And you knew he had all the talents to be a great quarterback. Uh, but, you know, during those times is when you start what Coach Mick called building that callus, building that toughness, what's going to endure you through the tough days. And seeing Dwayne grow not only on the field but off the field during that time was really special because I saw him 
He may not have been first in the workouts. He was kind of, you know, how how long face. He got a baby face about him. He yeah. was a, you can call him, you know, he had a baby face. And to see the way he grew during his time there and reset the record books and became a leader for our group when we had, shoot, that was probably, that was a very veteran team we had. And he was, what, 20-year-old kid at that time, leading us to a Rose Bowl championship, throwing touchdowns left, right. It was just, he was like unstoppable. And so... I had always dreamed with playing with a quarterback like that and having that kind of relationship that we had. And it was just like synergy, you know what I mean? Like he just knew where I was going to be. The ball that he threw was some still to this day the prettiest ball I've ever seen in the air. He just got football, you know what I mean? And a lot of people, you know, want to say things about him here and there, but I think you couldn't take away the man of God he was, the type of person that he was, some of the people that I've met and that are still in my life today from barbers to people I helped me with financial things or because I met through Dwayne Haskins. He had a unique ability to be able to connect people in a way that I had never really seen from such a young kid. And when we got here, he called me uh, when he got drafted first round. And then night two, I got called by Washington. And I was a, he was the first call after I talked to the GM. He was the first call. And... Uh, it was like our dreams were coming true at the same time, but I knew I had a guy who believed in me past what I was able to show up into that point at Ohio State. And I just thought it was going to be a match made in heaven. You know, I think I had finally found my guy and we were coming to the DMV where he's from. It's a very cultural city, so many different ethnics, backgrounds. Uh, they love their football around here. And for us to have the opportunity to step on the field together, I'll always cherish that. But the conversations we had at his home, at practice, uh, even after some tough games he had, may have where it's just me and him sitting on the plane, you know. Um, he had a lot of the pressure of being the quarterback, but not everybody saw all the other things he was going through. Mm. And you sometimes forget the people are human. And I think it allowed me to grow because I knew that we still had to win games. I knew the amount of expectation that was on that group. And I knew he needed someone who was going to be honest with him, but also help him. You know, I think it's easy for people to wag their finger and tell you what you should be doing and what you shouldn't be doing, but who's going to stand in the foxhole with you? And I just wanted to be that kind of person for him. And he really taught me how to be accountable to the people in your life. If you really care about them, if you really do, it's easy to say, oh, that's my boy, that's my brother. But are you willing to tell them what they need to do to get better? Are you willing to take that kind of conversation back to you? And that's something I, I, I take with me for the rest of my relationships is the accountability and the love, true, genuine love and friendship that I was able to, to have in that relationship with Dwayne. And, bro, you, are you settled mentally with the D. Haskins thing? Because it's, it's, in my mind, there's a lot of mystery out there still. Uh, I, I'll never forget where I was when I got the call. And uh, it was hard. You know, I was with my girlfriend, and I got the call from uh, Coach Mick in Ohio State. I didn't, you know, I thank God that I didn't find out the way that other people found out through the Internet. I got to find out through people I trusted. Coach Day, Coach Mick, and uh, that was a hard call, man, because I still get emotional about it because um, I knew when he left here, under the circumstances he left, I just still believe, like, he was going to go to Pittsburgh and have the opportunity to be everything that we all dreamed that he could be, that we knew that was in, in there. And I started, we were talking, we would text, and you started to see the growth in him. You started to see the strides he was making in his personal life, the work ethic that he was putting in. And I think, you know, Coach Tomlin and that staff really did a great job of bringing him in. 
and really helping him grow. When I got that call, it was just like time was slow and everything froze. And I just, something just, I, I couldn't get over for a very long time because I'm like, man, you just never see somebody that young, life's gone like that. And, and it felt unfair, you know? Mm. It felt devastating. I was just thinking of his parents, the people who really knew Dwayne at the core of who he was. And it was a painful time because I thought we were going to, not only the success I thought we were going to have in Washington, but past that, I thought I was going to still get to see him possibly be a Super Bowl champion and an MVP and a father one day and a husband. And we looking back one day, we talking about our Ohio State days, and I thought that was going to be a possibility, and it wasn't. And so around that time, I started getting into, you know, my therapy journey. And my therapist really helped me to where I'm at a peaceful place of how do I keep his legacy alive? And I think that's why I touched on the lessons he taught me, the conversations we had, and how you become a true friend to the people in your life. And so those are the memories on top of the championships we got to share together that I'm always going to hang on to. Anytime I'm in a situation with my friends or people I may not even know, I try to be as accountable and honest as I can with them and also know that they could have that same relationship with me. Because at the end of the day, I think life is truly about relationships and the people that you can impact. And I know Dwayne impacted me, not just on the field, but off the field. And I, I truly believe he made me a better friend and a better man. Much like uh, what RC said when, when we first started, you know, you're at uh, EB's press, press conference. Yeah. You're there meeting the new ownership. Yeah. Uh, you just, you're speaking about accountability. Mm -hmm. As a third rounder, you know, being catapulted into that position, yeah. did you envision yourself there? Is that just always been a part of your fabric? Yeah, man, that's a, that's a great question. I think at Ohio State, we go through five years and you come to Ohio State, everybody's the guy. You got Zeke, you got Mike T, you got, shoot, I go on and on and on. You know, you got the quarterbacks we had there and there's only one ball could go around. And I felt like I got to a place of, I've earned everything that I've gotten up until this point, which now I can appreciate has made everything much sweeter and it prepared me for what I'm stepping into now, what I'm experiencing, the overflow from God and these blessings that I'm experiencing were for those hard days where I went to Ohio State and I didn't think I'd be here. You know, I, I, well, it wasn't thing I didn't think I'd be here because I, I believed that I, I was good enough to play in the NFL and be a successful wide receiver. But you just don't know how it's going to work out when you on the bench, you know what I mean? Or you just playing special teams. It may not be the most glamorous. Or you come out of a season and you only got 11 catches. But I think when I got to the point where I understood this was my journey, there are people in this building that do support me. And how do I get better? I stopped. I, don't, I never was a blame. Oh, this coach is screwing me over, man. They the reason I'm not playing. But, like, there was something where I'm not taking that step. So I remember having a meeting with, you know, Coach Meyer, uh, Coach Hartline, and some of the coaches. And I finally got to an offseason. I was like, how do I, what do I need to do to get to the level I believe I could get to? Mm -hmm. And they laid it out for me from my ball skills to my route running. Okay. And I started putting that time and that work day in, day out, after workouts, during, in the middle of study tables and things like that. It gets to a point, of how bad do you want it? And I knew, I made a decision in my head, if I didn't make it to the NFL, it was because it just wasn't in God's will for me. Not because I didn't put the amount of work in that it needed to take to possibly make that happen. I knew even if I came out that season with another 10 catches or not the glamorous All-American accolades, I was going to be ready. So I was just waiting for my opportunity. But I think where people sometimes miss the mark is you are so focused on the nose or 
you get a little insecure feeling like you're not good enough. Because I'll go through those things too. I'm human. Or you feel like you're not good enough. I'm putting the work in. These guys around me are having success. Why am I not having success? And you focus on the things you can control, the, the ways you can get better. I think you start to get that tunnel vision where you're not focused on everybody else's lane. You focus on your lane, your journey, your story. And so when I got here and I got drafted, man, I was just happy to be in the NFL. Like, I was going to be the best yeah. gunner in the league. I'm telling you. Like, Matthew Slater? Like, come on. You know? You feel me? Like, I respected dudes like that because I knew at the end of the day I was humble enough to know my dream was coming true. You know what I'm saying? So, but when I got here and Ike Hillier, my wide receiver coach at the time, you know what I mean? Oh, Ike, man. That's, Ike Dirty. He's, he's yeah. an unsung hero in this league. You know what I mean? And what he taught me about what it takes to be a pro at this level how to be a man off the field, a family man. I really took that and I ran with it. So when I came in OTAs, I'm going against some, I'm going against Jano, Dominic Rogers, Cromartie. I'm going against some dudes. I got some vets, AP in there, Vernon. But these dudes believed in me, you know? And they saw something more than I saw in myself. And I think that sometimes takes that as well, people to bring that next level out of you. So when I came in camp, you know, I got Paul Richardson, who I, I was a great vet. Josh Dotson was here. He did a great job with me as well. Uh, Brian Quick. And... I just had confidence. I could play. You know what I mean? I, I'm ready. You know what I'm saying? And that first Eagles game, like, I was prepared. And it just all made sense because I had put in the time, work, and effort. Now you're not anxious or worried how it's going to work out because you put the time in. You built that confidence. Bro, so, you are talking about the insecurities yeah, that you can have. Definitely. Uh, you have them as people. We have them as players. And it's also about comparison. You start looking yeah. around and you can be at, a, at an Ohio State yeah. and you see all of these players. You're there with uh, P. Cam. You're yeah. there, there yeah. with J.D. You have yeah. all these players around That's you real. that can really go. Yeah. And you've seen the Mike Thomas is the highs mm -hmm. of the highs. And we all start to look at ourselves. And sometimes you can question, yeah. why me? Yeah. But this is the first time you had tough conversations at Ohio State. Yeah. Urban Meyer basically called you poo. Yeah. Man, and you were, <laughs> and you were yeah. Mr. Football yeah. in Thanks. Indiana. Yeah. And that story has been told. But from yeah. your perspective, what was it about that conversation with him that said you weren't ready to be offered a scholarship yeah. at Ohio State? You need to catch 200 footballs yeah. a day in order to be prepared. And then come back and see me in two yeah. weeks. How does a young Terry McLaurin have the maturity yeah. to handle that sort of conversation? Well, I think um, I think it's the work ethic that my parents instilled in me, you know, growing up and never seeing them miss a day of work. Uh, the faith that they had instilled in me and knowing that I belong. And sometimes people think a no is a, a no, and sometimes it is, but sometimes a no is a not yet. Mm. And it's a delayed gratification that we have to have. But in today's society, and even when I was coming out at 18, like, you just thought, you know, you go to Ohio State and everything is just going to happen and it's just happy ever land. And you come out of Indianapolis and you're the best football player in the, in the area and you like, okay, well, if I do X, Y, and Z, I come to this camp and, and I have success, I'm going to get an offer. And I did X, Y, and Z and it was like a not yet. And so that insecurity starts to build in like, dang, I'm not good enough. Like, what is it? I did everything you asked me to do. You know what I'm saying? But I think I had a choice at that moment because I had some other offers at the time where genuinely I was excited just to move to the next level and know my college is going to be paid for and I was continuing my dream. But it was something about being challenged in that way that I had never been challenged before to where I had the chance to, I truly believe it was a crossroad in my life, but I didn't know that at the time. And so I'm glad I had the support around me that was going to support me and helping me make that come to flourishing. So I, I was catching 200 footballs a day, literally, from everybody, mom, dad, quarterbacks in high school, anybody I could catch footballs from. Like, I'm, you know, I'm going off during study period in high school to catch footballs, you know? And 
again, it goes back to how bad do you want it? I came back. As soon as I get there, Coach Meyer, I work out for him personally. And within 10 minutes, he gave me an offer. And I was like, it was kind of shocked me because I'm like, I thought it was going to be a little tougher coming back to prove it. But it was more so, I think to him, he wanted to see how bad did I want it? How much work are you willing to put in? And the success you can have when you have extreme focus in a short amount of time, how much progress you can make in just two weeks. Mm -hmm. And then and there, I knew I wanted to go Ohio State. I knew I was going to get developed. I knew I was going to come out better than I came in. And so, you know, it was hard. And Coach Meyer continued to challenge me along with other coaches. But, like, I think it's built me the way that I am. I already had a competitive spirit. I already had a, a no-give-up mentality. But, like, it comes down to how much work you're willing to put in to make your dreams come true. And you got to have those people who are going to check you and are going to push you and going to ask the tough questions. And I think you got to come to a point as a human where – it's going to bring up some insecurities for you. It's going to bring up those feelings of not feeling good enough or is it going to work out? But one thing I've learned through faith is you got to fight that fear. You know what I mean? Because the devil tries to use the fear to keep you from your purpose that God has from you or to not step into what you ultimately dream or you're working for. So I was fighting that fear at that time. And, you know, it was nothing could compare to that feeling that I got when I got that offer because I knew I worked for it. And so I'd rather take that any day of the week than just things handed to me. And you can appreciate them more when you work for them, you grind for them, you've had some adversity, and you, you come out on the other side victorious. So I don't regret that at all. It was tough to hear, but I think it's something that I needed during that time because it really, it really forced me to choose how bad I wanted something and uh, to see the gratification that's on the other side when you put that work in. And there's something that Freddie talks about with the, uh, you said your therapy journey. Yeah. And you're talking about insecurities now. You're, you're saying different things where you, it was times where you doubted yourself. Definitely. What catalyst that? What made you say as a young dude too, yeah. bro, you a young guy. Well, yeah. What made you really say, I need, I need help? Yeah, I was tired of, uh, there were some patterns and behaviors that were in my life that weren't conducive to my relationships, that weren't conducive to myself as a young man and wanting to grow. Um, I think... For me, I was tired of living. I started to notice I was living a life on autopilot. Life was just happening to me. You know what I mean? Where I was just like feeling like empty. You know what I mean? Like I had the contract. I have the success. I have my dreams, but it's something still missing, you know? And I think I was trying to feel my insecurities not feeling good enough with attention from the outside world. Like you, 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 sometimes you get on Twitter and when I'm young, you like, somebody says, oh, he can't run around. You think you're the worst person in the world. You know <laughs> what I mean? And when you're an NFL player, there's a lot of distractions and there's a lot of temptations and things that come around in your life that could get you off track. And you're given so much money and so many opportunities on a platform to live up to a certain expectation. And for my whole life, I've felt like I've, I got to be the guy for everybody in my family. I got to be the guy for my girl. I got to be the guy for my mom and dad. I got to be the guy for my, my family and friends. And I was putting so much pressure on myself to live up to something, but I wasn't noticing. I wasn't, I wasn't taking care of me. I was so focused on making sure this person was good and making sure I was living up to this standard or this image of what, who Terry McLaurin is. He's this great uh, leader and he's this, but I'm, I got my own insecurities. I got my own things that I'm going through. Where I feel like I'm not good enough. I feel like, Will I ever live up to the expectations I have for myself? And therapy really allowed me to learn how to be vulnerable. And growing up in my family, and I grew up with some strong men in my family, blessed to, you know, have 
my uncle and my, my dad in my life, but vulnerability wasn't a big topic. And learn through therapy, vulnerability, and that openness allows you not only heal, allows you to grow connections closer with the people that you yearn to grow those connections with, and allows you to release all the heavy baggage that is we carry as men. And I remember having to, what do I need therapy? I'm fine, I'm fine. But, you know, my girl does something or something so little the dog spills his, his food or whatever, you blow up, you mad, you know what I mean? You, you angry over some of the littlest stuff. And I just started to learn, I had to learn how to not only process my feelings, but then check in with myself, okay, what does that mean for me? And then how do I not have those same reactions going forward? How do I have these hard conversations about certain things I'm going in my life with people who I truly love and care about? And so therapy really allowed me to release a lot of the baggage and expectations with myself and allow me to truly define who I really am. What's my purpose? What do I do? And I think you find sometimes you go through all your life trying to fill it with voids or fill it with women, drugs, alcohol, whatever, it, wherever it may look like for everybody. And you look up and it's just an empty feeling. It's like you pouring into a, a glass with no bottom at the end. You're not being filled up with the right things. And so when I started to learn how to hold emotional conversations and be honest and hold myself to a higher standard of, okay, this, per this person either said something that bothered me or I've done something that's bothered someone, there's ways to, to handle the other than shut down. I I'll shut down. I, I walk away, F the world, F everybody. I'm going by myself. You know what I'm saying? Because at the end of the day, I know my fear was being disappointed or being hurt by somebody else. But in return, I'm shutting myself off from true connection. And I think that's what we all yearn as people. It's, it's put in, in us to have connection with other people. And so when I started having those honest conversations, I was able to release a lot of the baggage that was in my life that I hadn't even unearthed for myself with my therapist. I started to grow. I started to become like a true peace. People talk about peace. It's a peace where my pastor says, you know, you have a, a contentment where I'm good. Like I, I have everything I need in my life. I've been blessed immensely. You know what I mean? He, God doesn't have to do another thing and I'm thankful, but I'm not satisfied. And I think that's the balance of being content and not being satisfied. Or I know there's still work to be done in my personal life as a man. I hope to be a husband one day, a father, a great friend, a great teammate and leader for this organization. I hope to continue to grow as a player on the field. And I'm not satisfied with that. So I think therapy, I truly encourage. And it's something that's on my mind a lot because I know it's not necessarily affordable for everyone. It's, it's expensive. And hopefully one day I can find a way to help bridge the gap where people can know that not only therapy is okay, but it can really help heal you and step into the things that you always dreamed of but never knew how to get there. I think that's what it was. I felt like I was a hamster going in a wheel. I was same cycle, same behaviors, and I'm able to break those cycles. I'm able to feel a little anxious, but have some mechanisms to where now I'm able to handle, handle them in a lot better way and healthier way, and you, you see the growth. And I say it all the time, over the last, well, I've been in therapy two years, it's the most growth I've made, and I'm 27, it's the most growth I've made in my entire life. And it was because I had people in my life that were there to support me during those journeys, and I think that's why it's extremely important to find your group and your community. But you have to be accountable towards yourself and, and be tired of living the way that you've been living and have those people in your life that are going to help you get there. This year, year five, going into year five, right? Yeah. Uh, a lot has changed. Yeah. With the commanders from... A year ago with the name change, now yeah. you got new ownership. 
you got a new OC. Yeah. And, and what changed for me, um, I, was, I always felt a sense of being uh, reinvigorated. Yeah. Right. Uh, and with that comes expectations. Right. Right. Whether it's from the outside or what you put on yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's excitement. Mm-hmm. What, what's been going through your mind throughout yeah. this entire process as you get an opportunity to prove that yeah. you you deserve everything you've earned thus far? Definitely. You got the the, the weight of the world on your shoulders as, yeah. as a leader. Those expectations, yeah. how are you able to manage those? And yeah. what do you expect to put out for yourself, the fans, et cetera? Definitely. I think uh, it started with the in, in introspective work that, I, that I've been doing for myself over the last few years. And... Um, working on just being extremely present and enjoying the good days and enjoying what I do have and focus on the blessings I do have. Because like I said, sometimes I get into black and white thinking if I do X, Y, and Z, then X, Y, and Z should happen. But that's not why life isn't linear like that. You know what I mean? And so when the tough days come, when the adversity comes, you handle that and you handle it in a better way than you may have in the past. But I'm really excited for what's to come here. Um, The way I've been embraced by this community uh, is unlike anything that I've experienced, really. The amount of work that's going on behind the scenes to build this place back to what it was, was with Daryl Green and and Art Monk and Doug, Doug Williams. Williams. Yeah. You know what I mean? Doug's my guy. You know what I'm saying? And this place, you could just feel the energy. They're itching for a winner. They're itching for them old days to come back to where that place, They believe it or not, that place, RFK, but we had the number one leading in ticket sales. Like, every game sold out. That place rocking. Uh, a few games last year, I'm like, you know, to be honest, dang, feel like a funeral. You know what I mean? And you can't necessarily get mad at the fans, you know what I'm saying? Because as players, you know, we're doing our best to put the work in on the field. But obviously, there's some things out of our control that are going on outside the building. And I think now we're stepping into where I've got to meet Josh Harris. I've gotten to meet uh, Mr. Blitzer. I've gotten to meet... Um, Magic Johnson and Mr. Ein and all the Mr. Mitchell, all these guys. And I'm just like, wow, like, you know, it's something about when people got skin in the game. You know what I mean? Like, it's bigger than just the dollars. We understand it's a business. We all play. But like, there's a bigger purpose. What I've gotten from those guys of why they're here and why they want to see that prominence go back to what it was, because they grew up fans of the Art Monks, the Daryl Greens, the the, the the golden days, you know what I mean? And they want to bring that back to this city. The fans deserve that. And for me as a leader, I want to continue to be someone they could be proud of, not on the field, only on the field with how I play, the competitiveness, the fire, the leadership, but who I am in the community. I love the people in this community, the opportunities I've gotten to have camps and do certain givebacks and the way I've been embraced because I think the platform that we have is can be used one of two two ways, but I choose to try to bring light and positivity to the people in this community the best way I can, the fans, because I'm just blessed to be a vessel, honestly. Like, I've really gotten to a point where you take the pride out of it, you take a little bit of your ego out of it, and it's like, oh, like, I'm worried about this, that, and the other. I have goals for myself, but like, man, God's using me to be, you know, a bright spot here or a blessing there or to bring joy to the young kids and sign things. Like, that's, that's, I'm living a dream, man, like honestly and truly. So where I see the future going, it's still a lot of work to be done. You know what I mean? There's still a lot of work to be done for me, my teammates, coaches. And, you know, I know the ownership's doing their thing. But to have 
uh, being at that pep rally just to feel an energy that I hadn't felt really since I've been here, uh, optimism. I'm really excited for where that can grow. And I, I think if we can parlay that into some winning, you know, at the end of the day, it's all about wins still. You know what I mean? We could parlay that into winning with bringing EB in and we're getting chased back and some, some core pieces and Sam and Jacoby and the guys that we got in that locker room. We got a good group of guys in that locker room. I'm, I'm dead serious. And uh, if we could parlay that into a winning season, I think this place will explode. And just to be a part of that, to kind of be, you know, kind of at the tip of the iceberg for that, it's – I'm I'm humble, honestly, uh, but I'm I'm excited to put the work in. You had a dope interaction with Eric Bieniemy, yeah, after his press conference, and you walked over to him, and you are the unquestioned leader yeah. of this team, the most successful player to this point with what you've been able to do on the field, the numbers you put up, the contract you were able to earn. It Appreciate wasn't given that. to you. You're talking to Eric Bieniemy. He's like, man, I want to be coached hard. Yeah. You know what you've done and what you've accomplished in Kansas City. We want a piece of that Definitely. here. The thing I noticed most about what you said was, and we got good people in this building. Yes. A lot of times, I was here when Joe Gibbs came back. Yeah, okay. I was here for that first year. And I remember yeah. how excited everyone was because you get Clinton Portis, Sean mm -hmm. Taylor yeah. is drafted. Everybody yeah. felt like, okay, this is it. Yeah. This is the time we turn the corner. Yeah. And you had a moment like that last year yeah. where the run game was popping and mm -hmm. Taylor was playing well. Yeah. And it felt like you guys were coming around to that. Yeah. And then you fall off yeah. again. What can be different? about the Washington Commanders this yeah. year. It seems that yeah. Sam Howell is going to be the guy. The defense Definitely. is back strong. You know you have a run game. You mentioned yeah. Eric Bieniemy. Why should people in the DMV yeah. believe in this team? Um, I think the first thing you touched on was the people. We have a good group of people from top to bottom in this organization where the mission, the mindset is all in the same direction. And I think if we can cultivate an atmosphere where there's unselfishness, where I think it's hard to do that in NFL because everybody wants theirs, whether it's contract, whatever it is, you know what I mean? Success, accolades. I think I've noticed, and even with my journey at Ohio State, where you gain more through the selflessness. You gain more with putting your, yourself on the side and putting all you can in for the team. And I think EB breathes that. I think Coach Rivera has breathed that since he got here. I think the defensive and their staff, they breathe that as well. And I think the ownership breathes that. And so I think we finally have a synergy to where we got everything moving in the right direction. We got the right people in the right places. We got, um, we're great at, we're really good at all, like a really significant positions. And we got a young quarterback who sometimes when you don't know, you don't know, that could be a good thing. Cause <laughs> yeah. you, you know what I mean? You're not playing with that pressure. You're not playing with these expectations. I'm sure he has those, but He's surrounded by so many great people who are there to support him and be there for him. That's all I've ever wanted is to have a quarterback who believes in me to the point where, like, I see one hot man. I'm going to give me one of these. Give yeah. me one of these and, and let's rock, you yeah. know? And I think that competitive edge is something that EB brings that, like, not a, not a snap that's going to go by in practice where you're going to loaf or you're going to take a playoff or you're not going to finish. And that starts with me, you know what I mean? And that speaks to talking to him. You think you're going to get coached hard. Like, there's a way that you practice. There's a way that you prepare. There's a way that you study. And, you know, there's been some times he's gotten on me at practice. And I don't take that personally because I know who he is as a man. And I know the purpose in which we're trying to get to. So if our young guys see the leaders of my team, myself, John Allen, uh, D-Payne, um, Leno, I go on and on, Tress. 
you could if, if your leaders are your hardest workers, you're gonna have your best teams. If they could take the coaching, if they can put in the work time in, time out, a young guy has no choice but to fall in line, you know? So I think it starts from the top, and I think I'm really confident with the group that we have coming in, with the ownership, um, the coaches we have in place, and my teammates, where we're ready just to put the work in. And I think our fans could be excited about really just the competitiveness in which we're going to play with, the attack mode that which we're going to play with. I know EB brings that. Like, you got to be able to attack people. You have no fear. Like, you got to be able to put up points and stop people and, and turn the ball over and play with a tenacity where, you know, sometimes when I've been here, we won three games my first year. I know there's some sometimes guys looking at us go, oh, we got that one. You got Westchester, <laughs> we good. You know what I mean? Dudes ain't going as hard. You know what I mean? But now I feel like Washington is a team that you got to become prepared for. You got to you got to be ready to play for four quarters. And I think that's been our biggest Achilles heel. We'll start, we'll start fast or we'll play well at the end, but it's too late by then or we won't finish like we did towards the end of the season. And it slips through your fingers because winning in the league, as y'all know, it's, it comes down to the fourth quarter. But it, you, you build those habits. You build those mentalities now when it's about to be hot and hard out there. You build that consistency now. And I, I'm real confident in what we're about to put in uh, over these next few weeks so hopefully it could be a product that we all proud of at the end of the season. And, bro, you talk about leadership where when you look at them top teams, you look at the, the, the uh, Chiefs, yeah. where he came from. You got Pat. Yeah. He's the guy. Of course. You're the leader, and you you rained off pain to some other guys. They yeah. aren't the quarterback. Right. And we were talking yes. off air about this league is built around quarterbacks. You, you're not lying. So now you have a puppy in Hal. Yeah. You have Jacoby, who's yeah. a journeyman, and mm -hmm. then who from. Yeah. Another baby. Yeah. For them – not to be the leader, yeah. what does that put on you? And is that a that I would say it's a disadvantage for y'all, yeah. for y'all quarterback, not to yeah. be that dog that everybody definitely. Respects. I definitely respect your perspective on that because it's definitely a quarterback-driven league, and I think that's been a challenge since I've been here to find that guy. And I've been blessed and fortunate to play with a multitude of guys where I've learned a lot from all of them. But we're still looking for that consistency at that position. And what I've seen from Sam, where he just has a a confidence about him, where he doesn't say too much, but he comes out on the field and then you look up and in 707, he may not have missed a throw. And, he, you know, he, he in Dallas, he's running over people and he's kind of getting up with some swag. You're like, all right, now it's kind of, I play with Joe Burrow. I'm not saying he Joe, but he kind of got a little bad in him where you just like, I, I don't got to say too much, but you're going to see, you know? And I think that's why it's, I like the way we're built because it's not all on him to go win the game. You know what I mean? There's going to be some opportunities. He has to make some throws to help us win. And I think Jacoby's done a great job of helping him grow. And when we're having these throwing sessions of uh, making sure guys are where they need to be, giving us a certain amount of looks. Um, but at the end of the day, it's going to be on him, you know. And I believe the receivers that we got in this building, we want to be a group. I've always wanted to be not only a player, but have a group where the, the game's on our shoulders. You know what I'm saying? Along with the great backs we have, our old line, sure. But with it being a passing league, we got to be able to go win one-on-one -on -one matchups. We got to be able to put pressure on the defense, they can't key on one guy. So I'm really excited to see how he grows. He's going to have some growing pains that's, that comes with it. But I think as a leader, for me, I just want to continue to have my mindset to make his job as easy as possible to where that ball may not have been right on the money, but you come down with it. You know what I mean? It don't got to be all picture perfect for, for you to come down with the play and make the play. And that builds confidence in your quarterback because it's like, dang, I don't got to be perfect for us to have success. I don't got to be perfect for us to win this game. but the, the time and the, and the work that that kid puts in at such a young age, 
uh, is really impressive to me. And I'm really excited to see how he's going to grow. And I think the support he has from EB, a guy who's seen at the highest level, who's coached Patrick Mahomes, he knows what it's supposed to look like at a championship level. So he has the support around him that's going to make him the most successful that he can be. So uh, last year, you guys were close. You yeah. didn't have a losing season. Right. But you were in a very tough NFC East division. Right. With Philly, New York, and the Cowboys, yeah. right? Uh, a lot of teams that are ascending, mm -hmm. like they got all the pieces in place. Definitely. So I, I want to do something kind of different here. Yeah. Go clockwise, yeah. starting with Channing, and just ask, what's your prediction on the NFC East? Who do you think is going to win this year? Oh, you got to go Eagles. Had to win to the damn Super Bowl, bro. <laughs> I'm sorry, brother. But... Hey, man. I feel <laughs> you. I feel damn, you. I feel you. Play NFC champions. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, I would think the same thing. Yeah. You look at what they've been able to do. Howie Roseman in the draft. Yeah. Jalen Hurts being everything that he needed to be to earn that sort of contract, yeah. be one of the top paid in the entire league history. I think that's the team to look at not only in the East, but the entire NFC. Mm -hmm. I'll probably do a little first take right here just for the sake of debating. Yeah. I'm just going to switch gears and go with the Cowboys. Yeah. Kind of brown nose with Alicia back here. <laughs> uh, and I'm going to pick the Cowboys. Yeah. I don't know why. But uh, I do believe in Dak, actually. I, yeah. I think he has an opportunity to bounce back strong. They're trying to build the pieces of their defense. I like their defense uh, Gilmore. And uh, hopefully they can, you know, do better on offense and, and, and give it a run. But um, for that particular purpose, I'll just say Dallas. I feel you. I'm going to say Commanders. You know I'm going you know to say that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's, I really do believe it because I think each year you come in and don't nobody really know what's going to happen. You know what I mean? Um, I think one thing is a given. The NFC East is going to be a fight. It always is. You go up to Philly, it's hard to play. You go up to Dallas, it's hard to play. Giants had a great year last year. You know what I mean? It's going to be hard to play there. They got to come here as well. It starts with the work we're putting in now. But I, I truly believe in the quarterbacks we have. I believe in EB. I think his mentality on how he approaches football, how he approaches team building how Coach Rivera leads men, how our defense and how hungry and how we got some dogs on, like dogs. You got to, defense wins championships, but we can't hang them out to dry as an offense. And I believe with the weapons we have from our running backs, from our receivers, from our tight ends, who I really feel like we're going to have a strong year, from our O-line, who's, who's been rebuilt and rebent. We got guys back healthy. I'm really excited to what, what we, what we, what we going to do this year because – the game still won on the field, you know what I mean? I think that's the fun thing about debating everything like that. Definitely the Eagles are the team that you're chasing, especially with the leadership they've had under, you know, their front office and what Jalen Hurts. I got mad respect for those guys, A.J. Brown, uh, Slay, their defense. They, they got some dogs. And so when you go into those games, you, you got to be a dog as well. But I think nobody expected us to beat them Monday Night Football last year. And I think our biggest thing is how do you make that not an anomaly? Oh, they just got lucky. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? There's no luck in the league. You know what I mean? You can lose on any given Sunday. It's the consistency in which they built to see why they've had success for longevity. And that's what we're trying to build here. But I'm, ex I'm excited, man. It's, 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 a fun, it's a fun time to be a player in the DMV. It's a fun time to be the commanders in, this, in the great NFC East. I'm going to take you through my favorite Terry McLaurin moment, right. and I'm going to call it Terry Weekend. Yeah. Right? We, we're going back to Indiana. Yeah. Right? Ooh. Back to Indianapolis. Get yeah. an opportunity to play your hometown team. Yeah. You're a kid who dressed up as Marvin Harrison, not once, but twice <laughs> for, for Halloween. <laughs> yeah. uh, grew up a huge fan of the team. We'll watch with Terry Sr. 
Yeah. You had an opportunity the night before, you're eating at Hyde Park. Lady yeah. comes up to you, says, yeah. hey, you're my favorite player. I'm going to wear yeah. a Terry McLaurin jersey yeah. tomorrow. Before the game, Marvin Harrison asked you for, for a picture, for yeah. a photograph. Yeah. But then you got to go out and make plays. Hell yeah. There's a scramble. Taylor finds you down the field. Yeah. You're facing defensive, former defensive player of the year, Stephon Gilmore. Yeah. It's a ball that you got to go get. Facts. Like you said, a future Hall of Famer. You catch the ball, you make the play, your team wins, you yeah. get the game ball. And instead of taking the glory yourself, you said, I may get the glory, but this is about y'all. That's real. I do this for the men in that locker room. And That's then you real. got an opportunity to go see 70 plus, go see the yeah. homeboys yeah. and talk about it after. To me, that was kind of a coming out party for you. Yeah. You had already made yourself a Pro Bowl. You had mm -hmm. already made yourself money. Yeah. But it was that opportunity to say, no, I'm here. I am the leader of this Definitely. team. And to receive that game ball Man. that acknowledges that. What was that weekend like for you? And did you finally get to at least exhale that weekend and say, man, I've come a long way yeah. from playing at Cathedral High? Yeah. Uh, God was in the middle of that moment. I think that he truly prepared that moment, especially for me. And I'm not a me kind of person, but I believe some things are lined up in a way and orchestrated in a way to where he's just in control and nothing can stop that moment from happening from the confidence of seeing that ball in the air. And I knew as soon as the ball was in the air, that was going, I was going to catch it. Like I, I have the utmost respect for Stefan Gilmore. And that was a battle against me and him for that entire game. And I get to see him twice a year along with Trayvon Diggs. And, um, but I knew that was, that moment was just, everything was moving in slow motion from my family being able to be there. I had, 20 plus people on the field. You know, it's hard to sometimes get them field passes. You know what I'm saying? But Brian Porter, he looked out and I had just my family, my girl's family, uh, my extended family, my homies. Everybody got the experience of the overflow of God's goodness. I truly believe everybody I talked to to this day, that was one of the best days of their life. Truly. Because they got to see a young kid who grew up in 350, watching those same players. That day, they, was, they were retiring Tark Glenn's jersey. Peyton's in the stands, Marvin, Edrin, Tark, dudes I grew up idolizing, Reggie. To the point, I'm at the Pro Bowl and, 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 and uh, Peyton come up to me. He was like, he was like, <laughs> he was like, it's my fucking city. This is my city. That's what I was saying on the It's my fucking city. You know what I'm saying? So it just felt like it was a moment that was really out of a, a storybook, you know what I'm saying, where you had put the time in, the work, the dreams, the aspirations, the village that it took to help me get there. My entire village was there. The work and just the, the peace that I had going into that game where, sure, you want to have success. I wanted to have a great game, but I wanted to win even more, you know what I'm saying? And to come down with two minutes, game on the line, it's me and a Hall of Famer with the game on the line. Every receiver dreams of that. And I think when you make those kind of plays, those will start submitting legacies for you. Those are plays that people remember. I have a meet and greet and I ask people what's their favorite play, what's their favorite game, it's that one. And it just marries up because that was one of my favorite games, probably my favorite game my entire life. So it was just a moment that I'll never forget, honestly. And to come in and to get, you know, water shower from my teammates and the genuine love and respect and the gratitude they have for me it's why you play the game, man, honestly. Like, I think the accolades are great. We all want to be Hall of Famers and Pro Bowlers, and, and I think that's 
ultimately what we're going to be measured by to a certain degree. But how you impact the locker room, what my teammates say about me, what my coaches say about me, what the opponent says about you. And they may not like you, but hey, you know, you got to strap it up when you're going against 17 each and every week. I'll take that. And the rest will take care of itself. I know God showed up time and time again. He'll take care of the rest. But for that moment to happen the way it did, I'm still ultimately thankful. And I was, I'll ride that high for the rest of my life, honestly. It's something I'll look back on and tell stories about and be able to hear the stories from the people that were there, from their perspective of how that day, how that moment went. Yeah, RC said that was his memory. That's yeah. the big one. I remember yeah. that damn game, yeah. too. You said your family, people you had was there. Was yeah. that yours? Because, bro, you was yeah. a dog in high school, yeah. All-American, everything. But fuck, I was all American in high yeah, school. Yeah. Too. You know what I'm saying? That shit ain't hard, bro. Sure. You play. First yeah. off, you it get... is very hard. <laughs> Not really. I did knock a bitch out every yeah, night. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they give you that little trophy. Yeah, yeah. You know? But then you get to Ohio State, and I joke yeah. about it. I say to you all the time, if you, if you stay at a school five years, you're not yeah, that good. For sure. If you're good, you're going to leave early. Most definitely. Because somebody's going to see that talent. Most definitely. And then you end up having double-digit touchdowns your yeah. fifth year for yeah. the first time. Yeah. Then you get to the league in the third round. I was a third round or yeah, two. Yeah, it's tough. You don't feel that first-round love like Freddie had. Not at all. Nigga, not I'm third all. round. You say you went second day. You yeah. had to go to sleep. Yeah. Went back up and get back. <laughs> when was the game when you was like, damn. Like yeah. when Scary Terry meant something. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? When F1 yeah. meant something. What was that yeah. game for you? Ooh. Oh, that time for you. Yeah. It, could, it had to be a game. Honestly, I think it was the first game. I think it was my first game where I really, I'm like, damn, I could do this. And I could do it at the highest level and I could be the guy. And I think that game, me and Casey just missed one pass. And that was a game from going to 125 yards to two touchdowns, 180 yards. And at that time, shoot, we probably would have went up. You know what I mean? And so it taught me two things. One, the game's never over. I'm going into 17-0 at halftime. Ohio State game usually over. So I'm like, shoot, we winning? I'm, I'm scoring this shit? Like, it's, it's a good day, you know? But you end up going to lose that game. But uh, I think the work that I put in, I was so confident from the work I was putting into my, going into my last year because I wanted to come out after my fifth year, like I was to the point where I was like, man, F this, you know what I'm saying? I believe in myself to the point, like if, if I'm just gonna be a special teamer, I'll grind my way up from there. But I also wanted to be realistic. And I think Coach Hartline, Coach Day, really were big for me during that time period because they truly believed the first day they stepped into the building that I could be an NFL player and have success. They both did it. They, Coach Day coached it, Hartline did it. They seen it. So they believed in me. They helped me put the work in, Coach Bailey. I'm, I'm watching film with him. But at the end of the day, you want to try to give yourself the best scenario to get off on the right foot. And that's why I can understand and appreciate the underdog story. That's why the, the undrafted guys, the practice squad guys, I was one of those guys. You know what I mean? Maybe not in the NFL, but in trying to get to this point. And so when I was putting that time and working, I was just ready for my moment. And me and Fred talked about it before this started. Like a lot of scenarios, a lot of things had to kind of go right. You know what I mean? Sometimes it is some, somebody's scenario. It is their circumstance in which they're in. But the one thing you can control is your attitude and with the time and work that you put in. So I knew I put, I knew I put the work in. I knew I had the support from my teammates. I knew I had Vernon, uh, AP. Some dudes had seen some ball Hall of Famers now saying like, no, nah, you, you could be one of them ones. And having that breath of life breathe into me, that just elevated my confidence in myself. So now all I had to do is just go out there and do it. And so ever since then, I just want to keep that momentum going. And I'm looking forward to continue to improve and continue to help the young guys. Uh, and Jahan, I think he's going to be really special, along with mm -hmm. Dayami. 
Kurt, Sam, that's my boy. We were college roommates. This is a dream of us to be playing together. I'm not only excited for myself, but how I can help impact this group and help everybody raise their level of play to help a young quarterback. So you were 83 in college. Yeah. That's so, ugly. That it, is nasty. I'll be honest, though. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. Shannon talking hey, about dog. staying that long, make you poop. Yo. That number for <laughs> no, sure for says special teamer. Literally. Go dig out the back. Come on. 83 at Ohio State. Literally. That's what I was. 83 at Ohio State. Yeah, that's Terry cool. Glenn, though. So, right, yeah, yeah that's, for sure. Yeah, right. L1. That's his future. Yeah. You are L1. Come on, man. Come on, man. I'm kicked back in on the kickoff. I'm counting on kickoff return. One, two. I got him. But I know know it must be an honor to wear 17, you know, here, same place Doug Williams uh, wore it. But I wanted to say 83 in college, 17 here in the league. So you can't help but keep it 100. Most definitely. Slow, keep catch up with the yeah, man. You know, he uh, always trying to so work some this, numbers. So keep this. I, I have to. Rain, man. Um, so keep it 100. <laughs> keep it 100. Yeah. Are you a top five NFL wide receiver? I definitely think I'm top 10. Um, I think I have the potential to be top five. I think I'm right on the cusp of that. I'm hoping that we can find that guy at the position, the, uh, the, the wide receiver, I mean, the quarterback position to where you could gain that, that synergy, that consistency. Right. Because I believe I have the talent to be in the top five. I don't think there's anybody that I would claim that's in that top five who's just overall more talented than I am, that knows the game more. You don't have to keep it real. You got to you know have somebody to get you, you the ball. Exactly. To take you over that Exactly. Hump. And we believe you You have that top five Definitely. talent. Uh, and I just wanted to jump in right yeah. there. To, you Definitely. Know, that, that's our take. I appreciate it. You know, got to ask your biggest pivot to this point in your life. What's been your biggest pivot? My biggest pivot? Mm. I got to say, finding who I am in Christ I definitely probably have to say the growth that I've made in therapy. Third, I think the support that I have in my life, because I don't think without the three, any of those three, I am who you see today. From my girlfriend to my parents to my homeboys, you can't tell them nothing. <laughs> they think I'm the baddest dude walking the planet. Wow. That matters though. It matters. My dad, you couldn't tell him nothing growing up. To have a father who was there and Sometimes I didn't necessarily believe. He believed I was going to be here no matter what. He thought I was the baddest dude on the planet. For my mother and my village, the prayer warriors that I have in my life, praying over me, supporting me, the love of my girlfriend who's going to be there to be that soft spot for me, who doesn't see me as this bigger life figure. I could just be myself. My homies, I think that's truly what's been the pivot for me. And I'm excited to see how those all grow. And quickly, bro, I know we got to wrap up in a yeah. second. Because you, you, you're very spiritual. You brought it up and you found Christ. Yeah. We both in opposite locker rooms. Yeah. You with the commanders. I'm with the Dolphins. Yeah. We both praying. Yeah. Why is God going to choose you to win? Because um, yeah. does God worry about nah. outcomes of games? I just don't know. I think uh, that's, a, that's a good perspective that you come from. Because every, every game I go into, I just pray for health and strength. I pray that the Lord uses the light that he has in me to shine through. And people see him instead of me. And I don't really pray for wins and losses because those come and go. And uh, sometimes, I don't know, when you see dudes like Steph Curry, you know what I mean, hitting, <laughs> holding ones and the best shooter all the time, you're like, do God got favorites? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? God got, God, God got favorites, you know? But um, I truly believe when you find who you are in him and you start to notice that we are just vessels 
to bring his light into this world, to make an impact on his people, that he's just using us. He doesn't have to use us. He doesn't have to use me. He could use anybody else in this world, on this street, in that locker room. But he chose me. And in that, it's a blessing because not only does he get the glory, but I get to enjoy the overflow. I get to enjoy the fruits of being blessed to sign a contract and take care of my family and set up generational wealth and to touch the community and to enjoy and see the smile on those people's faces when we go out there in the stands of field and they yelling my name. I get to enjoy that. But I didn't create that. You know what I mean? God did. Yeah, I had to put the work in. I had to marry it up because faith without, faith without work is dead. You got to mm -hmm. put the work in. But there's a unique journey. There's a unique blessing that he has for you that's different from me. Your journey is different from mine. The things that you've been through may be different from mine, but the glory can still be the same. And I think when you find that in him and you truly know that he's in control, that it's going to work out, that's my biggest thing. I could be a worrier, man. Like, and I think sometimes I'm like, okay, I'm, how's it going to work? How's it going to work out? And I look back time and time again how he's worked it out. He worked at Ohio State. He worked out me getting drafted. He worked out me signing a contract when I was worrying how that was going to work out. He's worked it out time and time again. He's the same guy. He's the same guy at the, at the mountaintop as he is the valley. And so the fact that I just get to be used and to share that, because that took me a while because, you know, I think there's a miss there's a misconception on how he is because a lot of people think, well, why do bad things happen to good people? And there's some things that about Christianity that's kind of can be miscued. And to that, I say, we're all sinners. We all come from, we're born into sin and we can only be saved by one person and none of us are perfect. And God doesn't need us to fix ourselves to come to him, come exactly how you are. And he'll do the rest. He just wants us to have the faith to come to him exactly how we are. And I think it's truly important to have a community and a mentor, a church home, someone that could truly help you get there because I have that in our team chaplain here, uh, Brett Fuller, uh, Garrison Fuller, Tellus Fuller. I have a community around me who's helped me grow in my faith and understanding these because I didn't know these things coming in. And I would pray, Lord, help me have a good game in college. Amen. And then you look <laughs> up and like, dang, do you not like me? Like, what did I do? You know what I mean? So you start, it's not as cut and dry as that, but... Um, I truly hope everybody can experience the love of Christ um, in the ways that I have in the abundance of blessings that he has for us all and in the, the impact that you get to have while on this earth because I can't take none of this stuff with me when I, when I go up to heaven. I can't. But he's going to ask me, what did my life look like? How did I, how fruitful was it? And not the money, the monetary things. How did you impact this person? What were you thinking here when you may have said something you shouldn't have said or you did something you did? We all have to be accountable for those things. But to know that you're still loved. I think that's the biggest thing. He still loves you. He doesn't, we treat him sometimes how we may have grown up with our parents where you're ridiculed. He's going to wag your finger like, dad told me not to do that. Mom told me not to do that. So now I'm going to be punished. There are punishing consequences for our actions. But the great thing about God is there's an unconditionally wavering love where he brings you in time and time again. Yeah, I know you did that thing that you say you weren't going to do the last time, but come on in. Let me help you with that. And so... To be able to speak on that freely, to be confident in that is one of the biggest, I think I, that's why it's my number one pivot. It's really helped change my life. Yeah, I think the misconception is that the consequence will be lack of love Yes. based on our sins. Yes. When he knows our actions before they take place. Exactly. Right. He knew every, he counted every hair yes, sir. on our heads. And so when we think we're changing things up, like, oh, we're gonna trick you. Yeah. You're actually not. Yeah. But that consequence will never be that God doesn't love us. Definitely. Your Twitter bio yeah. says, 
trying to make the most out of my opportunities. Yeah. And I think that was started in high school. Yep. You know, yep. you uh you finally got moved up to varsity. Yep. yep. Caught your, your old fake bomb. Man. <laughs> they, 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 they didn't know that it's scary Terry had, yeah. had speed, you know. Yeah. So but I, I thought about that because you mentioned earlier circumstances and mm. opportunities. Yes. And in circumstances and opportunities, sometimes you get to play because of someone else's misfortune. Most definitely. My first start in Washington was because the guy in front of me got injured right and i started every game the rest of my career right but it is about taking advantage of your opportunities Definitely. and your life seems to be the definition of yeah. that whether it was high school ohio state mm -hmm. and now in washington tell me how the washington commanders in 2023 take advantage yeah. of all of their opportunities i think one thing that was said by a coach one of my first years at ohio state is opportunities multiply as they're seized, meaning you don't know the time frame of that opportunity, but you have to maximize that opportunity in which the time frame it is. Because we know in this league, there's other dudes that are in that locker room going to be competing for that same spot that you have, that same spot that you want. There's thousands and thousands of guys, and each year we know it. You know, these GMs, these guys are trying to figure out how do we replace this guy. There's a young dude in college right now. How do I become the next great wide receiver, you know? So I think how you maximize those opportunities, and that's why it's always been my mantra, just trying to make the most of my opportunities, is because you don't know how many you're gonna get. But at the same time, if you're putting the time and the work in, and you're not necessarily focused on the outcome, yeah, the outcome is in, in the back of your mind, but like, how do I prepare today? How do I can control today? to be ready for that opportunity. So when it comes, I'm so confident, I'm not worried about how it's gonna work out. So when I walked into that first Eagles game, I didn't know I was gonna have that kind of, them kind of yards, but I knew if that ball came to me, it was mine and I was gonna catch it because I had put the work in, I had built that type of confidence. So then you look up, if I come out there, I drop two touchdowns, I drop a pass, and they, ah, he not what we think he is, ah. You know those, those and rightfully so, those, those, if they figure out how they replace you or like, you, you're not who we thought you were type of thing. It's the, human, it's the human element, but when you start multiplying those opportunities as they come, then you say, oh shoot, okay, he's gotten three passes and he got 90 yards off three passes. Let's try to see what he do with five. Let's try to see what he do with 10. Uh -huh. All right, now he our offense. Okay, you see he's a great person. Let's try to put him in this leadership role. We see how he, okay, let's, let's vote him captain. Let's see how he handles that, you know? And I think that's why it's so important to prepare yourself, even though when you can't see the outcome of what you're working and praying for, because you may look up and you're sitting and you're living in that opportunity, whatever it may be, and because you're not prepared, because you're not confident, because you've got distractions, it falls through your fingers and you look up and it's like, dang, another opportunity may not come. You know what I mean? And so that's why it's not an anxiety or pressure-driven mentality, but it's a a, prepared, a preparedness I try to always have to be ready for whatever opportunity comes my way. As um, Shays is my little brother, the yeah. Shazer Everett. Yeah. Uh, we're extremely yeah. tight. Yeah. Uh, after his accident, yeah. you know, you guys had lost three games in a row and you mm -hmm. mentioned him, you mentioned Montez yeah. Sweat yeah. and his brother. And I want to say thank you yeah. for that. I don't think a lot of times people realize what players go through away from this building, but yet Definitely. are still asked to come in here and do their jobs. You've become a leader, not only in this locker room, but I think a leader amongst the men in the league. I appreciate it. I'm gonna that. be honest, bro. Yeah. 
I kind of love you now. Yeah, I so that. <laughs> if you do drop two of the balls, yeah. I'm gonna act like I ain't see it. Appreciate it. They're gonna be like, I don't understand yeah. why Washington office wasn't moving. She, yeah. I don't know neither. I'm gonna tell you what, that day Terry McCorn running yeah. fast. I appreciate nah, that. No, man, I think it, um, yeah. to get an opportunity to see you in this light yeah. and have a chance to listen to you really speak, it speaks volumes or it says a lot about why you are so successful, not only as a football player. But in life, I'm just gonna ask you I one thing. That, for sure. Keep playing really good, bro. Yeah. So your career lasts a long time. Yeah. So I can do this TV thing yeah. <laughs> a little bit longer. Cause you're gonna be able to do whatever hey, the hell you want, man. Appreciate so we appreciate it. you, man. Yeah, for sure. Awesome, I appreciate y'all time. I appreciate, appreciate you, bro. it. It's really grinding. No, for sure. Yeah, I appreciate y'all, man. Yeah. I appreciate the realness of what y'all doing, what y'all doing, man. I'm glad I'm glad we caught platform. you now too, man, because yeah. you know, you be to put the pads on, the conversations get short. Oh, for sure. For sure. Hold up. Limitless, take a semi cap pin in it. I father here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm feeling, get me up. Uh, on the mission, get me up. Uh, knowing me, I got the key. Uh, on the vision, I can trust. Uh, trust. Uh, limitless. Take a stomach cap in it. I father here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Uh, way I'm feeling, get me up. Uh, on the mission, get me up.